Friends, welcome to the program. Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. Uh, you're listening to the What's Right Show. So just in, hot off the press, of course, is this uh, verdict in New York City. Uh, e. Jean Carroll, uh, her lawsuit against uh, Donald Trump uh, seems to have, um, well, gotten a verdict in her favor, mostly in her favor. I want to discuss this here and explain to you why this is total nonsense. Um, look, I'm getting all of your emails, folks. I get it. I'm, I'm trying to respond as fast as I, as I possibly can. By the way, if you do have a specific question that I am not getting to, please email me right away. Uh, I do check those periodically throughout the program. The email is Sam, that's me, Sam at SamAndAshLaw.com. Sam at SamAndAshLaw.com. All right, so what do we know? We know that of the different things that were on the jury form, uh, the jury did not find Trump liable for rape. They did not find that by a preponderance of the evidence, Trump raped this lady. Even though that was a core accusation that she leveled against him, that the witnesses said that she complained to them about. I guess she had some a couple of friends who were uh, contemporaneous witnesses who had who she had spoken to in the immediate aftermath of this of this alleged attack back in 1990, uh, and uh, so perplexing to me. And I, and I I know I understand that it's perplexing to you too. I even as a lawyer, I have plenty of times have seen juries do things that are not necessarily common sense. This being one of them. If you don't believe her on a core fundamental allegation, why believe her on anything else? But they can do that. Juries have the ability to say yes to certain causes of action, certain charges, and no to others. And to me, I think, you know, you're either credible all in or you're credible all out. It doesn't work any other way. So we know, of course, again, this happened allegedly in the Manhattan department store. E. Jean Carroll at the time was a advice columnist <laughs> for Elle magazine. She made these uh, comments, alleg allegations originally in 2019. Trump responded, who is this woman? Something to that effect said that it was a hoax. The jury finding a significant portion, by the way, of this five million, uh, almost two million of it is for the, uh, for the defamation uh, charges that, this, that by Trump calling her a hoaxer, right? He, uh, he defamed her. Listen, if somebody comes out at you with a false allegation of rape and you call them a hoax, you say they're full of, you know what? And, and then, guess what? And then, you, you know, you, a jury comes along and says, well, yeah, you, yeah, you defamed her. But no, you didn't, you didn't rape her. See, this just, to me, is nonsensical. So, of course, Trump, uh, his team is going to appeal this. The other issue, and I, I, I wanted to bring this up here, which is a, an interesting point. There's two states, California, 
and New York both uh, had uh, laws that were passed in the state legislature, which uh, reopened the statute of limitations for past claims. So under normal circumstances, the claim for this, I think, would have in New York been two years or maybe five years. The statute long passed. So under normal circumstances, Ms. Carroll would not have been able to file this case. She was only able to file it because New York State passed this law. California has a similar one where it reopened these old cases. A number of you have asked me about the constitutionality of this. And the fact of the matter is, I, you know, I, I agree that it's constitutionally problematic because it's potentially a due process violation. Right? If you rely on due process that there's X amount of years uh, for a law to be uh, – to be for a, a particular cause of action to be filed on, and that period of time passes, and then you're suddenly surprised by a uh, – well, we'll call it a, an activist legislature that comes along and reopens these things, uh, there's, there's all sorts of implications to that, right? For example, insurance companies, they set – rates for insurance policies, employment insurance policies, for example, on the basis that these claims die after X amount of years. Those of you in the insurance business, you know how these actuarial st statistical uh, tables and, 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 and workings uh, operate within insurance. There's a calculation that goes into figuring out what the potential exposure by uh, a, a particular on a particular insurance policy that's written is and on that basis by the way they you, you charge the the customer for it right you charge the insured all of a sudden uh there's this whole tale of sexual uh, abuse cases that suddenly can be brought back to life can be revived so i i think there is a due process uh, clause violation but there were Potentially, but but these cases, by the way, the courts have shut that down. They've they've and there's a there's some precedent for that as well. Uh, and so so in New York and in California, there have been a number of lawsuits that have challenged this uh, this this uh, this statute reopening, the one that allowed E. Jean Carroll to sue Trump to begin with for something that happened you know, was thirty years ago. Um. And those have failed. So Trump cannot I, I do not expect Trump's team to file in an, 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 a, a uh, appeal here based on some kind of constitutional law violation. I think that's already been litigated and decided. But they could challenge certain decisions here in the case uh, might uh, might might go after this verdict saying it doesn't add up. But, I, you know, at the end of the day. This is what happens when Donald Trump goes on trial in New York City. You cannot in, I mean, so the jury basically, I, I could see how it went down. These people don't like Trump. They're talking about it in the, in the jury. Well, I don't, you know, I don't know if they're, I don't know if we could prove that there was rape, but, you know, but he did something bad in there. We, we know him. He, we know this guy like the back of our hand. He did something to her. You can just tell. You can tell what a how sincere she's being. Now, E. Jean Carroll was on the stand for three days. Again, I wasn't there. There are no cameras in the courtroom. I can't imagine that it was particularly coherent. Trump didn't put on a defense either, and so I'm not sure if it came out 
that she had, well, previously uh, sat down with Anderson Cooper. I played this a few days ago when we were going over this case. I'm going to play it again here because E. Jean Carroll is a total nut job. Here she is talking to Anderson Cooper about her allegations and brings up again, brings up the, the rape, right? She's claiming she was raped and has this to say about, about the subject. You don't feel like a victim. I was not thrown on the ground and ravished, which the word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not, this was not sexual. It just, it, it hurt. It just, what, it just, you know. Well, I think most people think of rape as a, I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not I think most people rape. think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm. We're just going to take a quick break. If you can stick around, we'll talk more on the other side. You're fascinating to talk to. <laughs> what a weirdo. I also have mentioned, of course, that the entire, uh, well, we'll call it the, uh, the, the, the narrative here of occurring in a Waldorf Goodman changing room and, and whatnot mirrors an episode from around the same time that she's making these allegations that aired on Law and Order, which turns out to be E. Jean Carroll's favorite TV show. So I, look, what do I think? I mean, I, it's, I, think, I think she's a fantasist. I also know that a number of prominent, wealthy liberals, including Reed Hoffman, who's a billionaire, major critic, political donor for Democratic Party, critic of Donald Trump's, he financially backed E. Jean Carroll's suit against Donald Trump. That was reported, by the way, not in Breitbart, but actually in the New York Times. So, I mean, what is this? Uh, it is a, it's a hit, and it'll keep coming, and, um, and there's, this is all part, friends, of the concerted effort in the media to paint Trump as a dangerous, a despicable person who is unworthy of being a part of polite society, let alone someone who, is, uh, who ought to be anywhere near the White House. And the Democrats for, what is it now, six and a half years have successfully demonized him and put him in a position now where I think, you know, there's pretty much the only place he can get a, a fair trial is probably somewhere in Alabama. So um, what do I make of it? I, it's, it's, you know, it is what it is, but it is the news today. So I'm going to take a quick break here. Uh, there, yeah, there's an update too on the shooting here in Vegas. I want to talk about that. And of course, the... Uh, debate now about violence over the weekend. The answer, of course, as all of my liberal friends are texting me, Sam, see, see, it's the guns. You ought to see some of the text messages I've been firing back and forth with people. It's not the guns. I'll explain when I come back. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Sam Rajovsky here. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Uh, an 18-year-old man has been charged with two dozen felonies. This 
uh, as a consequence of the shooting yesterday that we reported on as it was happening uh, here in Las Vegas. Uh, apparently, a guy named Jesse Rios uh, now is uh, charged with discharging his gun. Uh, it was He was a little ways away from the school when he began shooting. Uh, we're not sure at what exactly, but one of the bullets struck a uh, teacher at the school. And so that person was taken to UMC, is expected to survive, thankfully. Uh, but uh, the aftermath, of course, uh, everyone's a little on edge. So uh, middle school and two elementary schools were, were closed, were put on lockdown. And now it appears to not have necessarily been a school shooting, but just uh, violence, gun violence in the area, which I, I'm not saying just. I mean, it just this is the, what, what happened. So... Um, following up on that, of course, everyone's talking about gun violence, particularly after what occurred this weekend on Saturday, Allen, Texas. A shooter uh, attacked a shopping center. At least eight people are dead. It was a gruesome, awful event. There is extensive video of the of of both of both the event unfolding, there's video of the guy from a dash cam camera uh, of a of a person pulling into a parking lot, sees the guy get out of the out of his car with the gun, begin firing his weapon. Uh, the car begins to back up, uh, as you can imagine, people trying to get away. There's a car that was pulled quickly out of a parking spot to flee the scene. But people know what's going on, and and it just must have been absolutely unreal to be there uh, as this was all unfolding. Um, the the uh, the obvious, of course, dispute here now intellectual policy political dispute is what is the root cause of all of this, and I, well, you, you if you go to the leftists, right, the uh, Democrats want to talk only about guns. They only want to talk about guns. Sonny Hostin, for example, today on The View, this is what she had to say about it. I mention it over and over again. People that have mental health issues are much more likely to be the victims of crime than commit crime. I hear Republicans want to talk about everything else other than easy access to guns. They want to talk about undocumented people. They want to talk about immigration. They want to talk about mental health. They want to talk about everything under the sun, but they don't want to talk about the guns. Well, wait a minute. Let's first go to the idea that if you're a a person suffering from a mental health problem, you're much more likely to be a victim of a crime. I'll try to look this up and see if there are any statistics to back that up. There are not. And then, of course, many of us who, for example, uh, I uh, work in uh, downtown Las Vegas and building my home downtown, I will tell you uh, there, when I think of random acts of violence, of criminality, damage to property, etc. They are, at first glance, I'll tell you, most of it is occurring at the hands of people who have a few screws loose. And anyone who lives and works downtown here in Vegas or anywhere in any downtown in any city across America will have a similar experience. So this just sounds to me like a limousine liberal who's not been outside of the the gates of her uh, of her secure compound 
But the other part of it is, is I, for me, this is a discussion, and I mentioned this yesterday, it's a, it's a question of following the variables. Because there's no doubt that the guns are a variable. Nobody disputes that. So the question is, are there more guns per capita now than there were, say, 40 years ago? Because there were no, when it comes to, for example, school shootings, and even all mass shootings, really, there was no serious frequency of them until 1993. That's the year, of course, that the Columbine uh, mass shooting occurred. And that, you know, that, that kicked off, in my view, an era of mass violence uh, and these mass shootings. Now, it's just not my view. I mean, this is statistically, you know, following these events. And it, it, but it's a fact that, you know, if for a period of time, let's say 19, this is a fun statistic, 1972 to 2012, 40 years, only two school shootings, one of which was Columbine in 1993, two school shootings. Yet guns, for example, on school campuses, in high schools, were commonplace. This is something my wife talks about all the time. She grew up in uh, in Utah, a place called Centerville. It's a, well, it's a Centerville. It's right in the center between Salt Lake and Ogden. And when she was there, it was not, I'm not going to say rural, but it was a, a bucolic little town, you know, I think one stoplight off the uh, off the 15 freeway and and you know kids went hunting after school it was completely normal for her brother and his friends to have guns in the back of their their cars and they go shooting after after class now at no point did any of these kids shoot up their schools why well there's a high, there's a handful of uh, uh, factors that that come into this following the trend line of school shootings from 1993 on, it's almost a parallel path. The increase in use of SSRIs, these are drugs that are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. This is, what are these? Lexapro, like Prozac's one of them, Zoloft. The use of those drugs has exploded. Parents don't want to be parents. They don't want to be involved. They want to have their own lives. They don't want to take care of their hyperactive kids, so they go to the doctor. The doctor says, oh, this kid is ADHD. Oh, we have a diagnosis. Great. Okay, now what do we do? Oh, give him pills. I mean, some of these pills are, are a serious business. It's messing with young brains. And we now have a whole generation and a half, two generations of, of folks that grew up on these, on these, on these happy pills. But there's also a lack of community. When I think about my, my wife's upbringing, I mean, this was a Mormon community. There was a, by and large, 99% people there went to church. There was social responsibility. Families were intact. Men were fathers. And for the most part, again, were in their homes. There was no social media. There are so many factors here that the left doesn't want to acknowledge. They want to just talk about guns because it's easy. It's political hackery. And then they don't have to take any responsibility for being crappy human beings, bad parents, and doing all this stuff and contributing to the problem. 
They can just pass it off on the Second Amendment. It's the Constitution's fault. Yeah, buzz off. Sam Rajofsky will be back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show will continue. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. A few years ago, friends, they did a study. They analyzed 56 school shooters. They went in-depth into their lives, and guess what they found? 82% of them, I know this is going to be a shock, grew up in dysfunctional homes. Absentee fathers, abuse, etc. But yes, by all means, it's just the guns. No other variables could possibly be contributing to this troubling vile phenomena. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT, you're listening to the What's Right show. Vivek Ramaswamy, who is one of the Republican candidates running for governor, uh, he uh, spoke out about this and uh, and had this to say. It's, it's really, he's spot on about this. When we say in God we trust, it means in government we distrust. And the teeth we put into that comes from that Second Amendment. That being said, I think that we need to address the mental health epidemic that's upstream. I mean, that's the real issue, okay? The mass shooters in this country that we have, almost every one of them, it's not everyone, but it's pretty darn close to everyone, came from a fatherless household, came from somebody who suffered from a mental health disorder. I would sooner ban social media in youth than we would talk about taking guns away from law-abiding citizens. Yes, yes. Listen, if you're a parent and you allow your kid unfettered access to social media, if your kid is a little hyper and you think, well, fuck, let's get him to the doctor and we'll get him to get him some medication, give him some pills, everything's good. Give him some Lexapro, some Prozac, some Zoloft. I mean, if that's your approach, oh, and, and by the way, not just the social media, Right? Not just not just not just the drugs, but everything's a quick fix, right? There's what about dinner together as a family? Does that happen? I understand we're busy. There's a lot more that we did on a day in and day out basis as parents for our kids, for our families that we just don't do anymore. And the problem is that, uh, you know, the, the kids that grew up with this, you know, quick fix, everything's in a pill uh, form and just you, you just take a pill and you immediately feel better. Guess what? Now, as adults, I got a weight disorder. Let's just start using some. What, what is what's the popular thing right now? <laughs> yeah, there, there's uh, right. It, it's it's medication. People are taking this this as a weight loss drug. Uh, this uh, drugs that are intended for diabetes people sufferers. It's a quick well, Ozempic's one of them. Yeah, uh, they, they're, it's a quick fix. Nobody wants to go out and exercise and run. Nobody wants to be a parent. Nobody wants to put in the hard work. Everybody wants success now. And then when there are consequences of this type of behavior, 
Nobody wants to take credit for it. Nobody wants to take, takes, nobody wants to take responsibility. Vivek Ramaswamy continues his comments about the causes, the root causes, the true root causes on gun violence. And this is from a small fundraiser he attended on the 5th of May with this. I think it is unconscionable for us to allow another school shooting in this country to happen on our watch. And by taking away from law-abiding citizens, we're not going to stop that from happening again. To the contrary, putting those three armed security guards, and it's not just one, but I think it's got to be three armed security guards in every school across this country, and we're instead spending four times that money on a federal department of education that shouldn't have existed in the first place. So I don't believe in virtue signaling to make ourselves feel better about solving a problem. I believe in going upstream to the root cause and actually solving that problem. Well, I don't care if you're a, a, a diehard Trump person, a DeSantis person. If you're a conservative Republican, what this man is saying is simply unparalleled. It is fantastic. And he's right. We could, if you did the math, we could be putting armed guards in every school and instead we're spending it on a behemoth bureaucracy that essentially is waging war against us, the parents. It's creating a system that exists for the, you know, for the benefit of, of the teachers' unions and not for the kids sitting in schools. And this is, of course, a separate topic. I don't want to stray from the issue of guns in schools and guns in society and this violence that's occurring, but I'm telling you, per capita, this is a – yes, yeah, there are more guns out there today than there were 40 years ago, but per capita – the, the number of guns per household has gone significantly down. There's less gun saturation, if you will, today than there was four decades ago. So that that's a significant thing, right, that nobody's talking about. Nobody's talking about it. But every talking head on TV, rather, is emphasizing, oh, it's a gun problem, it's a gun problem, it's a, and no concern whatsoever for other variables here all of which have changed by the way and this is what i was i forgot to mention earlier is these violent video games these these first person point of view shooter video games how many of these violent thug criminals grew up as kids playing a game and i don't even think do parents Parents were in the other room doing their own thing. They didn't even care that their kids are, are playing a game that is putting them in the position of somebody committing mass murder. Well, it's just a game, right? It's just a game. They're just kids being kids. Well, wait a minute. Maybe not you, but your parents, meaning the kids' grandparents, what did they do? What was, when they were kids being kids, what were they doing? They were out there running around outside climbing trees riding their bicycles getting into trouble sure pulling pigtails and whatnot of girls in class oh boy that you can't do that now that's sexual harassment you can read of course a book in the third grade detailing what oral sex is but by no means can a boy pull a girl's pigtails that would be the end of the end so it, it, it just there's another study by the way that, that traced, this it was fascinating, over the years, 
the shrinking radius that kids have that they their play radius away from their house. So 50 years ago, the radius was, and I don't remember exactly the numbers, but let's say the radius was, was, was two or three miles. And it, and it, over a period of time, over a few decades, it shrunk to something like, like 200 yards. Kids don't leave their home very far, uh, don't leave home very far. And I see it now with my, my kids uh, and their friends. I mean, you know, they'll, they'll get on, I don't, we don't do violent video games, but they'll get on these video games where they, they interact with each other. No, I don't need to go over to a friend's house. We have to, I don't want to embarrass him too much here because some of you know my kids and then people talk and then my kids come home and say, Sam or dad, you know, stop talking about me on your radio show because my, my kids' parents are listening to it. And then they, anyway, but you know, sometimes Sherry and I have to, sit our, 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 our son down and say, no, you have to go out and be with your friends. You've got to leave the house <laughs> or have your friends over. None of this online stuff. Okay. Enough. And we've, we've, we've uh, intervened like that. And, and you can do that as a parent. And you know why? Because you're the parent. <laughs> you've got the power. And if you don't, you got to reclaim it starting today. I mean, I have, I have, I've had my friends say, my God, my kid is so rude to me. (laughs) Like, I I laugh and I say, well, why are you allowing your kid to be rude to you? Well, I can't, you know, I can't do it. (laughs) Listen, if my son mouthed off to his mother, I'd pull my belt. I don't care that he is half a foot taller than me now. I mean, there would be a physical consequence of that to that. And he knows it. And consequently, I think we, we have a, overall a, a good kid, but it didn't happen. It doesn't happen automatically. You have to, as a parent, you have to be a parent. And one of my, one of my real gripes, I would say, as a, I mean, I'm only 42. I think of myself as a, as a fairly young person. Is that in my lifetime, smart so-called smart experts. Again, I'm putting that word into quotes. Have all gotten together and agree that some of the things that, for example, in my family worked for generations, discipline that worked for generations, respect that worked for generations, suddenly everything was wrong. Remember that in the 80s? They all got together and decided everything that was done before 1982 was wrong. And now look at these kids. Look at Columbine. Look at these shootings. Look at how these these the, how disrespectful and how, how detached from morality, fundamental lack of respect young people have. That's a factor. So for every person that says, it's the guns, it's the gun, it is simply a, it's a cop-out is what that is. Guns may well be a factor, but it's not the deciding factor here. And the problem is there's not one thing that you can point at that say this is the root cause of it. But a giant 
glaring, in my view, component is that parents have abdicated their role as leaders in their homes and have have taken a cop out on 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 parenting. And that's something we can fix. It's not going to happen overnight. All right, got to take a break. Sam Rajofsky here. This hour of the What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234. That's the phone number to call. I'll be back in just a moment. Yeah, I'm perplexed by this too, Robbie. Let's get into it. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Live and local from beautiful downtown Las Vegas. Yes, we are. Sam here at your service. Uh, I'm just, I understand that the news cycle since yesterday has been dominated by the Allen, Texas shooter supposedly having some kind of a, uh, of a of a manifesto of sorts, not a manifesto, but a, a, we'll call it a social media trail. A social media trail of suggesting that he is uh, a, some kind of a neo-Nazi. Now, the reason, okay, and I, I said this yesterday, right? I, I'm not mentioning his name. His name is, uh, certainly Hispanic sounding. Okay. Uh, he also, you know, I've seen the picture of a uh, video of 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 him laying there after he was taken out by a brave uh, Allen, Texas police officer who happened to be on scene. So uh, looks Hispanic to me, and I'm just baffled that. Uh, and maybe there's something I'm missing here. And by all means, listen. If some of you and you, you guys are keepers of great information, let me know. Is there a growing uh, neo-Nazi movement affiliation within the ranks of of, of Hispanics in America? I I mean, I would love to know. It just doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't sound, uh, it it sounds a little weird. Then apparently his activity online, all of it is on a Russian social media site. And he was writing some kind of a diary there. Didn't have any followers, apparently. Doesn't have a Twitter account. So, I I mean, there, there's just things here that are not adding up. So instead of the media taking a step back and going, well, you know, this is, we don't know yet. And some of this is a little suspicious because, by the way, how many days? Is 47 days or so, Robbie, now since... The Nashville shooting, we still have not seen the manifesto supposedly uh, dropped by the, the the shooter there. Although we know that she was transgender, we know she was mad at Christians, we know that she went to a, literally to a Christian school, shot the minister, I think, or maybe the minister's daughter. I mean, there were, there were certain things that added up there call that circumstantial evidence. But here, this is just baffling. I'm, I'm confused. And so I will continue asking questions on it. But in the meantime, of course, leave it to Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, 
She's already all in on this being white supremacy. Listen. Race apparently turns out to be an issue in a lot of these killings because we know from the shooting in the church, you know, in the black church, we've seen it, people getting shot because they're black. We've seen people getting shot because they're there. We've seen them getting shot because they're Latina. People are losing their minds for lots of different reasons. And so it is not just about mental health. I mean, I understand that a person with deep mental health problems doesn't want to make this about mental health. I get that. So we got to, you know, we got to put that through a little, <laughs> little bit of a filter there with Whoopi. Um, excuse me? So this is, I'll get it, because this is a Latino white supremacist with brown skin. I, I mean, all right. Here's Sonny Hostin. So well, I'm glad you brought this glad up. You brought up the race piece because, and we won't, we're not going to mention what what the name of the group what he that, belonged to yeah. was. But this shooter, who happened to be Hispanic and Latino, which is very bizarre to me, had a white supremacy moniker on him. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Christopher Ray. These are not my words, so people don't start with the "I'm a race baiter" crap. Christopher Ray said that the biggest threat to our democracy is white supremacy and domestic terrorism. I wouldn't refer to Christopher Ray, head of the FBI, for any authoritative word on what is the greatest threat to this country. Because many of us are starting to think that it's the FBI, but that's a separate conversation. <laughs> but geez, Louise, these people are crazy. By the way, it's only... Motive only matters in these shootings when it's someone, when it's a talking point that they can use to advance their view. Remember, none of these people wanted to talk about the fact that it was, it seemed, Nashville a hate crime that this transgender person went and attacked a Christian campus. The reason, the reason they're not releasing the manifesto or they're wringing their hands over it, debating what to do is it's not going to be great for the trans movement. It's not. It's going to be chilling, is my prediction. The shooter there, it seems, may have been radicalized by all this talk about fighting back against transphobia, et cetera, et cetera. And you've heard these, these clips and you see them on libs of TikTok. I mean, these people have an open call to arms against conservatives, against Christians, against anybody that gets in the way of their trans radical agenda. Right, we're all transphobes and, 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 and haters and bigots. And so we don't, we don't deserve to even live, right? It's part of that, you know, the left's dehumanization of their opponents. Now we conservatives, we love all people. That's what we do. We actually love and cherish individual liberties, meaning you have the right to be a bat nuts crazy person and do whatever the hell you want to do to yourself. You want to cut your willing off, do it. No problemo. Just leave the kids alone because as a society, we agree that we have a vested interest in preserving our, and, and protecting our youth. So these are, these are, this is how conservatives view problems, how liberals view problems is if you disagree with me, I'm going to scream literally like this lady in San Francisco. Remember her? Right? That's what the left does. Bunch of hysterical lunatics. 
but they don't want to talk about the motives behind what happened in Nashville. They just want to talk about white supremacy right now because they've got a guy there who's a Hispanic and apparently has posted some stuff on some site to about two people, and, and, and still we don't have any further information on it. So absolutely perplexing. Supposedly, it's going to be a bad week for Biden, a bad day for Biden tomorrow. I'll explain what that could mean. Some not-so-veiled statements by the Republicans in Congress. I think they've got the dirt on him, folks. We'll see if anything materializes from this. I will be back to discuss that here after the break. Of course, find our podcast if you've missed any portion of the hour uh, so far of the program, which you can do, of course, at uh, anywhere you get your podcast. Look up What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky your host. I will be back in just a moment. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, friends, hot off the presses. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Tucker Carlson put out a video moments ago uh, outlining, well, suggesting, teasing, if you will, a a plan to bring his show, a relaunch of his program, uh, the same show he was doing for six and a half years on Fox and bringing it to Twitter. He will use former Fox News staff. He'll forego at least $25 million owed to him by Fox Corp in order to break the non-compete clause. Now, let me tell you something about this, why it's not dumb and why Fox is, I want to do a little alliteration, but I would be using a four-letter word, which, well, six letters, you know, because anyway, Fox is beep. Think of it in these terms. Producer Robbie looked at this, uh, went through some of the records. It's easily findable, but his show, Tucker's show on Fox News, in the first quarter of 2023 of this year, averaged a nightly audience of 3.2 million people. Now, my show is highly rated here in Las Vegas. I don't reach 3.2 million people because there are not 3.2 million people in Las Vegas. Although we get to a fair uh, number of of folks here beyond Vegas by virtue of having a podcast. But I digress. That is, you know, it's a staggering number. Am I right? Well, not so fast. On April 26th, Tucker Carlson put out a video. The video... Uh, was uh, said basically that the tweet said good evening and this is where he and I, we played it here on the show it's basically announcing stay tuned and kind of not going anywhere and a little critique of society and journalism and ethics and telling the truth classic Tucker this video that he put out on Twitter had 24.1 million views using what may have just been an iPhone Him sitting in his basement, 24.1 million views, and the tweet itself was seen 81.2 million times. How else do I put this? Simple math, that is eight times the reach of a program on Fox News. 
So Fox, when I say Fox is screwed, like desperately want to use the other word because occasionally a little salty language never hurt nobody. I got to tell you, uh, <laughs> just, they, you, he, he, Tucker can do an end run and deliver his content to people anywhere in the world and, and bypass the provider, the, 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 the channel. Fox is a channel. They think they're the king of Kong. They think that they make stars and it's over. That model is dead as a doornail. And he's going to prove that to be the case. It's brilliant. So, I, you know, this, what is his second? Well, this, his video here uh, on Twitter that he did this announcement 22 minutes ago, already at a half a million views. That's staggering. Half a million. When he averaged on Fox 3.2 million, this has only been up for 22 minutes. Give it a day. You'll see. It'll be in the millions. This is the miracle of the information revolution. And by the way, this is why the left wanted to control Twitter. This is why the left wants to control and, in fact, does Meta, Facebook, Instagram, right? The left understands that social media is an end run around the stranglehold that they have on the information that comes out of their approved government-sponsored media conglomerates, right? The regime-tolerated media. And... You know, you, you could put out CNN and could get, you know, do their thing. But if, if we're able to express truth on a platform like Twitter, they can't really control what we think, can they? Now, who is this? If this is all true, and this we're piecing this together, by the way, in, in real time, this is what we understand to be the case. And I'll, you know, we'll, we'll update this, of course, tomorrow. You'll, you'll see this is going to be a big story uh, in the next week. I, my thought is that this is an enormous, and I mean an enormous uh, shot in the arm for Twitter and for Elon Musk. There's no doubt, and we heard this a couple of days ago that Elon Musk and Tucker were talking that it was one of the, you know, one of the people that were trying to learn lure Tucker to the uh, to the platform. If this is the uh, beginnings of a partnership of a of a collaboration, and it doesn't even have to last long, but this is an enormous win. An enormous win for uh, for for uh, for Twitter. I, I mean, I just this is going to bring a lot of a lot of eyeballs and growth. So, what do I make of that? Well, that's that's one thing. And then, uh, you know, f- finally, I, I you know did predict just the other day that that Tucker would find his way out of this contract. I said that there was going to be a way. He's gonna, and and it's exactly that. He's gonna give up cash in order to be let free. And that I think is the is is the model, right? That's the way out. So this just I wasn't this wasn't a crystal ball thing. It's just me considering what the options were as a lawyer. And I believe that the leverage that Tucker had was all of these dirty tricks that Fox was playing on him. And I think that his legal team turned around and said, "You guys are playing with fire. You push this. You keep my client on ice. You do this to him while." Drip dripping all this bad negative stuff, we will come after you and we will have a serious 
case for damages against you. And it seems that Fox News is blinking. We'll know more as the days uh, unfold. A quick break here. Yes, I'm going to get to Biden. I'm go- I will, 100%. So just, I, I know there's news and it's, it's also important. There's just a lot going on today, so forgive me. This is what live radio is. It just kind of comes at you fast, and I, I got to sort through all of this and deliver it to you in a, a coherent fashion, which I hope, I hope I'm doing. All right, friends, be right back. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Uh, this hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. Greetings, friends. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. All right, listen up. The Republicans in Congress are teasing a press conference tomorrow uh, that apparently is not going to be a great day for President Biden. That's what we know. That's the, I guess that's the sum of the, of the scoop. Now, I can tell you that he says it's going to be Wednesday. My guess is uh, by the way, that uh, that this this conference, this these remarks would be related to uh, Hunter Biden, related to various family members, and to the president himself in their influence peddling scheme, where money was funneled from various companies, including companies in Ukraine, China, and elsewhere, uh, to the Bidens, to various members of the family, and then of course we know because the some of these congressmen have been speaking out about it. Apparently, there was some some policy decisions that came together and um, where, where Joe Biden, in his capacity as vice president, was able to help out. For example, Hunter Biden got his multi-million dollar contract with Burisma, and then a few months later, Joe Biden was able to get a significant investment in natural gas to Burisma and to Ukraine, uh, all of this, of course, uh, well, was a handsome return. I think the the sum that they got was something like fifty million dollars from the U.S. And the Bidens, you know, it cost it cost the Ukrainians only a million or two to pay off uh, the vice president of the United States. Now I know that's a big allegation, right? That's a big statement. You got to prove that. But Comer says we've got the we've got the goods, and so here's. Uh, I, look, don't to take my take my word for it. This was today on Fox and Friends this morning. Uh, Comer said this. Tomorrow's going to be a bad day for the White House, and it's going to be interesting to see what Joe Biden has to say. Uh, he lied about the laptop. He lied about his knowledge of his family's uh, shady business dealings. He lied about his involvement in his family's shady business dealings. Uh, he lies when he says his son has done nothing wrong. So it's going to be judgment day. It's gonna be judgment day. Now, what these again, these are big statements. He lied about the laptop. We know that. He lied about his knowledge of his family's shady business dealings. Okay. How do you prove that? Right? Because I'm I always think like a lawyer. Well, okay, so you make that statement. How do you back it up? I would think the way they back it up is if there are emails tying Biden in, because you know, Biden's communicating the president, then vice president, Joe Biden is communicating directly with Hunter. He's communicating directly with his brother. And none of this would ever have come to light if it weren't for crackhead Hunter dropping off his laptop and then forgetting about it. 
Comer continues about having real evidence, this again today on Fox and Friends. It'll be very interesting when they see evidence because uh, the White House and the American people are used to a lot of congressional investigations that never provide any evidence uh, or that have evidence like the Steele dossier with respect to Adam Schiff and Jamie Raskin that we later learned was completely false. You can't lie on bank records. And one thing that all the different banks that we, we dealt with have said is that this family was involved in money laundering schemes. So uh, these are some very serious charges and any other American family would have already been indicted and probably gone to prison for some of the things that the Biden family's done. So tomorrow's gonna be judgment day and it'll be very interesting to see what uh, Jean-Pierre and the little Ian Sams has to say when they're presented with evidence. Well, they're going there. I guarantee you right now that uh, there is a, uh, they're they're having a conniption fit over this. Because what they're, again, I, listen, I will wait to see what what happens. But I already know that there are emails because I've seen them uh, that are, that were on the, uh, laptop from hell right hunter's little laptop email thousands tens of thousands of emails that tie his dad in now what if okay let's talk about this right what if a timeline is as follows hunter biden inks a million couple million dollar uh, consulting gig where he serves on the board of an energy company he has no prior experience in the energy industry. He joins the board of Burisma. Burisma then, which is a quasi-governmental natural gas energy company in Ukraine, then lobbies the U.S. government for subsidies, for help, for investment. Within 30 days, 60 days, whatever it is, Joe Biden, then vice president, gets appointed by Obama to be what? overseeing all this (laughs) to be some so now he becomes the expert on energy in the in in the u.s government remember biden yesterday telling us how experienced he is how he's the guy that knows everything he's wise that's why he deserves to be reelected. i'll tell you what he's good at what he's good at is making a little deal together so then suddenly magically the u.s government the obama administration gives burisma gives the ukrainians 50 million dollars plus minus okay now if we can show that money that was given to hunter made its way into joe biden's and jill biden's bank account that i think is pretty compelling evidence wouldn't you say and the way comer's talking i kind of get the feeling that he's 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 got that kind of he's got that kind of result here now uh you know we hear occasionally politicians on both sides uh promising to deliver something that doesn't materialize. So you, you kind of have to, I am going to wait to see on this. But this is this is potentially a huge, and I mean a huge uh, landmine that's going to bomb that's going to drop tomorrow. Boy, tomorrow's show is going to be lit. That is a young people term. I'm, folks, I'm just trying to be, I'm trying to be, you know, get with the times here. It's going to be lit. I kid you not. And I'll go through it, by the way. They're going to have a press conference. I, my guess is they'll do it, you know, first half of the day. Uh, certainly, you know, I go on air here at 1 o'clock, which is you know, 4 o'clock in D.C. I'm, I doubt they're going to wait that long to have the presser. 
So provided that it, it occurs before we go on air, I will go through this in, in great depth. But yeah, this, this, is, this is a problem. And they're talking about bank records. So again, I, I mean, yes, there are few, I was talking about this as a hub and spoke deal, right? At the, the, the center of the hub is, you know, is the Biden family, but there's all these different components, these offshoot different separate criminal investigations. One is of course into, you saw it here, money laundering, how they move money around. If they mischaracterize what the funds are for, that's a problem. That's a federal offense, carries 10 years in prison. It's a, it's a problem. Then you have uh, things like, uh, for example, uh, non-payment of income taxes, undeclared income, right? Fraudulent tax. You've got tax problems. Hunter Biden seems to be in the crosshairs right now of federal investigators in the IRS. We know a whistleblower has come forward to say, ah, we had the goods on him and nobody wanted to prosecute and they told me to sit down and shut up. <laughs> so there's that, right? Then we have the influence, the pay to play foreign government sending money, hiring the son of the then vice president to sit on some BS board, getting real money for it. Uh, side note, friends, I, I don't know if any of you have ever sat on a board. Typically, boards, you get an honorarium. You don't get paid very much to sit on even a, a company board. Uh, it's not, those are not multi-million dollar positions. So the reason he's getting paid multi-million dollars is why? For access, for pay to play? It's a bribery scheme. If they can connect the dots on that, big problem. It goes not just to Hunter Biden, not just to other Biden family members. It goes straight to the president himself. And it implicates, honestly, it also implicates Obama, which I love. Because when that smug guy was leaving the White House after two disastrous terms and said, well, what are you proud of here, uh, Mr. President? Uh, and Obama goes, Oh, I'm glad you asked. I'm really proud that we didn't have a single scandal in the four years that I was in office. And I was like, Benghazi? <clears throat> I don't know, the ATF running a gun running operation? I mean, I, where do I begin? <laughs> what a joke. I guess it pays to have an attorney general be your wingman, quote, unquote, protecting your flank. Problem is that wingman's nowhere to be found. The Biden administration is a pack of clowns by comparison. Uh, the side Biden administration is a pack of clowns. And so, so the Obama people, I mean, there are a lot of people that are very nervous right now. Because this tarnishes not just Biden and potentially creates a, what if, what if Biden ends up being indicted before Trump? Ah, wouldn't that be something? But it tarnishes Obama's legacy. And cripples potentially their, I guess, their favorite uh, backup candidate, which would be Michelle Obama. Now, she's, trust me, she's somebody they're all talking about silently, quietly, in case Joe, you know, croaks here uh, before the, uh, the election. She could just swoop right in and be Obama's real third term. Wouldn't they love that? So this is, this is something to watch. And, um, and it, it, it is going to be a major deal. And it's developing here in a timely fashion where it could all you know, come to roost just as the 2024 election gets underway. Wow, wow, wow. All right, all right. Well, I know, I, 
you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell it uh, when we come back by the way I there's now there's a, a a backlash to the backlash on Bud Light backlash to a backlash what do I mean the trans people are up in arms that the folks that run Anheuser-Busch would dare to disavow Dylan Mulvaney and that campaign predicting well I'll tell you what they predict when we come back there's a prediction here I'll read it to you see what you think <laughs> I don't think so. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. I'll be back in just a few minutes. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. Don't go anywhere. Back in just a few. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. In another bit of troubling news, the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, apparently... Uh, solicited signatures uh, for the letter uh, disavowing uh, Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, describing it as misinformation. So, yeah, we use government funds to help Biden win the presidency. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. This is uh, something just one of the one of the many little gems coming out of Congressional testimony in these reviews conducted by Republicans, the Select Committee, Subcommittee on the Weaponization of Federal Government, uh, noted and discovered multiple former U.S. intelligence officials testified under oath about the CIA's direct involvement in the distribution of the letter. Now, we know this was eventually signed by more than 50 former senior U.S. intelligence officials. It allowed Joe Biden in the last debate that he had with Trump to be able to stand up there and say, well, I've got you know 50 current and former officials, intelligence officers, proud Americans all said that this is Russian disinformation. And many Americans, when polled again and again about this, described that this would have been an important piece of information that may have changed their vote. People that voted for Biden, in other words, saying that they would have voted differently. There are emails to back this up, March 20th. Uh, Let's see, March 5th, 2023. Uh, there was an email here uh, going back to April 6th of 2022, uh, going through. And uh, and yeah, there, 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 there's an email trail here that, that happened at the time in 2020 and all the way up through recent times when people are going back and forth on this. So I, look, yes, Mike Morrell, 6.34 a.m., October 19th, 2020. Uh, there was a, a yeah former CIA acting director and campaign surrogate Mike Morrell uh, contacted Kristen Wood, a former CIA official. They in turn contacted officials that were still at the CIA, so people that were on the clock talking to people who had retired, conspiring to make this all happen. Unbelievable. All right. I'll tell you what else I find hard to believe. Bud Light last week uh, of course, you know that the CEO there, the European guy that runs InBev, I think that's what they're called, the company that owns Anheuser, Anheuser-Busch, uh, said, got on a call. This is a guy named Michel Ducaris, 
and uh, he he got up there and says, "Listen, this we, this was not an authorized campaign. This Dylan Mulvaney thing it, it, was, it was a rogue operation. It was all nonsense. There was there was what you uh, yeah was a, there was just a few cans of beer. That's it. That's all this was. <laughs> well, now activists." Uh, are calling this thing uh, an act of war. Bud Light will be extinct in a few years for disavowing Dylan Mulvaney. So says Stacey Lentz, who is a co-owner of New York City's historic gay and lesbian landmark Stonewall Inn. She's telling Newsweek that Bud Light missed an opportunity to stand by their commitment to the trans community by pandering to and giving into transphobic outcries. All right. When this whole thing broke, what did I tell you? I said, they're, well, Bud Light is damned if they do, damned if they don't at this point, right? The smart thing would have been to never do this, right? The smart thing would never to have engaged Mulvaney and done this deal, right? But once that, you know, that, that, uh, that was out and had occurred now they're in a real problem and the problem is is that you you, you know you, you you don't do anything and of course the, the the bleed continues or you you basically you you, you do what this Ducaris guy did Anheuser-Busch CEO my, Michelle Ducaris and that is you say well listen we this was not a we need to this was the exact quote we need to clarify the facts that this was one can one influencer one post not a campaign this was described as efforts to uh, affect damage control after the boycott appears uh, in the weeks since this release uh, to have been uh, fairly successful. Now, overall, you know, I see this too. I see, I see overall Anheuser-Busch stock doing well. The company is uh, certainly making profit in other divisions. It's just a, it's a tarnish to one of its critical brands. And it's also evidence of the fact that people have had it up to their um, up to their eyeballs with all this trans nonsense. You know, where did I have this? I oh, I, I mentioned this yesterday. One second, I'm going to reach over. Pardon me uh, to the far reaches of my desk here to bring something that I didn't get fully to yesterday. One second. Here it is. Yes, Abe Greenwald writing for Commentary Magazine, watching the trans bubble burst. This came out on May 5th. Uh, it opens with this, quote, transgender activism is failing badly. He then cites the Washington Post-Kaiser Family Foundation poll as definitive. I mentioned the results of that poll yesterday. Americans aren't buying the trans fairy lifestyle, uh, fairy tale about magical shape-shifting creatures who can will themselves into anything they want and live happily ever. Citing a report by Laura Meckler and Scott Clement, quote, most Americans don't believe it's even possible to be a gender that differs from that assigned at birth. Now, uh, what this article, it, it goes on and gets, kind of goes through this and, 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 and looks at the study in, in great detail. I, I think what's obvious from this is that we just don't want to be berated by all this stuff. And I think that people's tolerance actually of this 
is diminishing the more we get abused and berated for any missteps, misspeak, wrong think by these people and, and get yelled at and screamed at and being called all sorts of nasty names. This is not a scientific poll, but I talk to a lot of people and not everyone, of course, agrees with me on everything. In fact, I do maintain friendships with a number of, of people who we disagree on a lot of stuff. But this is just a casual observation, okay? And it's it's uh, it's not definitive, but I just, I will let you know. Um, so I... I have, the, I have a sense that people are more skeptical of the trans movement today than they were two years ago. And to that end, right, this is where the people, the, the gal, the VP of marketing at Bud Light, this is what she missed, right? She missed where America was. And when you're in marketing, you can't miss like that, not when you're in charge of a multi, multi-million, maybe billion-dollar brand. You can't do it. They could have commissioned the same study that the Washington Post-Kaiser Family Foundation people did. They could have done the research. But no, she winged it. And she winged it, what was this, eight weeks 10 weeks before this post poll, a poll came out, now, arguably, I would say the Washington Post poll came out in light of this controversy. My guess is they commissioned it. Uh, and probably, I'll say this, were a little surprised by the results, which, of course, the Washington Post has gone on to describe as evidence of America's transphobia and that, that voters are buying the GOP's transphobic narratives. But I think the real story here is very simple. I, I think that, you, again, it this backs up my original posit, which is that you have these New Yorkers and L.A. types, San Francisco, you know, left coast uh, people who are, who are uh, well, they're completely out of touch. They're in an echo chamber. They just, you know, they, they live in a world of, of 500 uh, different genders. And all sorts of different pronouns, all this stuff. And, and, and most of America's like, just leave us alone. Fine. Do your thing, please. Like, you know, no knock on it. Leave the kids alone, please. Let's hold off on the pornographic chit-chat and books in elementary school. Don't mutilate kill children, right? But adults, you know, live, live and let live. But that's not good enough for these people. And so the, in, the, in the efforts of shoving it down our throat, it just blew up in Bud Light's face. And of course, the, the trans activists are doubling down, and I think this is only going to cause further backlash against them, not against Bud Light. I'm telling you, this is this, – this, this the, at the end of the day, I think, I think some of this radicalism, the wind will slowly – I'll leave the sails of it, and it's going to calm. I may, maybe I'm wrong. It's maybe I, I could see it calming down a little bit. It's going to take a couple more years. These people are really, really angry. Never forget the woman that was screaming like this. <laughs> I can't get enough. That's a lot of anger, right? And also, might I add, I think in her case, it's it's not the guns, right? It's mental health. Sam Rzhovsky, back in a moment. You're listening to The What's Right Show.
All right, friends, uh, Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. A uh, little bit of uh, of detail now coming out about this video that Tucker Carlson put out on Twitter, mentioned at the top of the hour. Axios reporting, uh, I guess they had contact with Tucker uh, Carlson's uh, lawyer. Uh, his name is Brian Friedman. He's a high-powered Hollywood guy. Uh, he's representing Carlson in this uh, in his uh, dispute with Fox. The letter apparently, and I can imagine it singed a few eyebrows out there. Uh, they are requesting one that uh, that uh, Fox broadly preserve any and all evidence, any commun- communications, any documents, any texts, any emails. Uh, by anyone related uh, in the company, anyone related uh, working on the Tucker Carlson deal. Uh, This is significant, of course, because you know there are a couple of employees, including a lady, and I think her name's Irina Briganti. I've mentioned this before. She's an internal uh, spinmeister at Fox, behind-the-scenes person who is a PR person, senior PR executive. And we suspect that they were or I guess Tucker and a lot of people out there are, are tracing the negative leaks about Carlson to her and to her staff. So the letter actually went directly also, it went to a bunch of different people, including, as I understand it, Rupert Murdoch himself. Uh, but it, it uh, the letter, um, you know, it went to Irina, uh, uh, it went to other Fox executives, and it says that they made material representations or promises to Tucker that were intentionally broken. There was an agreement to not leak his private communications. See, I, I mentioned this. I told you this was going to be a major problem for them to not use Tucker's private messages to take any adverse employment action against him. So, you know, there's also an allegation here that uh, there were uh, collateral agreements, conversations where Fox promised Tucker, they wouldn't settle the lawsuit in a way that accepted any wrongdoing. So they broke that term. Uh, And a general breach of the covenant of good faith and fair dealings uh, in the agreement. And uh, and so their position is that that Fox is in breach of of the agreement. And they have damages. This is why I suspect uh, they're feeling pretty confident to go forward and they've got Fox kind of caught them red-handed. I don't know. We will find out more as you know as time goes on. But that is an update uh, to our earlier story. Now, here's another update here from the border. It is a disaster. Uh, it is an absolute disaster. Uh, the the El Paso shelter director, El Paso, Texas, operating a, a shelter there that is used by uh, migrants, says that what the the situation down there is. Uh, a humanitarian crisis the likes of which he has never seen before. Title 42 is ending, uh, and now that it's over, the reality of people spilling into the country is immense. Got 200 inside the shelter. We've had up to 810 outside the shelter. People are overflowing into the streets, into the community. 
The Biden administration is nowhere to be found, no leadership on it. Instead, Corinne Jean-Pierre is telling us over and over again the situation is in hand, that border crossings are down by as much as 90%. Oh, and meanwhile, we're going to have to send 1,500 troops down to the border to, uh, you know, I don't, do what? I don't know. There are numbers uh, in terms of crossings of 500 to 1,000 to 1,500 a day. It depends on the mix of individuals, families, right? Sometimes the larger groups of people. There are reports of Chinese nationals, of military-aged Chinese nationals, men crossing into the country on the southern border. It's frightening. It is absolutely out of control. And for four years, they railed and railed against Trump for wanting to build a wall and how racist this was. And I have to tell you... uh, This situation here is um, just astounding for how little regard it has for the people, for the humanity of the people that are crossing over. Because what this administration does, of course, in its feckless doublespeak, is it signals to the world, right? It signals to any potential migrant in Mexico – don't stay in Mexico. Come over here. We're compassionate. We're liberals. Forget Trump, it's, it's a new day in America. Come on in. Do they do anything down there to help processing people, helping people, put them on planes, they send them to states around the country? I mean, you've got liberals in these, in these states complaining. You, you know it's bad, by the way. You, you know it's bad. When Lori Lightfoot in Chicago is complaining about all of the immigrants that are being shipped to Chicago, that they have no more places to put them, right? You know when – I mean, I mean she's, a, she's a left of the left person. Oh, I know she was voted out, but I'm just telling you, when this was all going down and those flights were happening, Lori Lightfoot was out there screaming about it. So it's indicative of the kind of problem that we have, and it's it's um, and there. By the way, this is all recent now. It's that was months ago, <laughs> it, a week and a half ago. This guy who is who is running, um, uh, John Martin, who's the director of the Opportunity Center for the Homeless in El Paso, Texas, says again, this is a humanitarian crisis. We've never seen the situation as critical as it is now. We're completely overwhelmed, and they're expecting the worst. Uh, now that an, uh, the flood of, of illegal immigrants is, is, is rising. Trump, stay in Mexico. Look, you know, if you want to get into the country, apply for asylum, stay in Mexico, get, get processed when you're in Mexico, stay on the other side of the border. You're their problem until we can let you in. And dissuaded crossings, the statistics bear that out. No doubt Dissuading crossings also saved untold lives. But if, you know, the demagogues in, in government, uh, the AOCs of the world, um, they want to scream and get their headlines and they want to say the nice things, which in turn encourages people to cross, to put themselves in harm's way, to get here and be in a place like El Paso where services are taxed, you know, <laughs> three, four, five, six hundred percent of capacity. And they can't do anything about it. It is absolutely heart-wrenching. Yeah, we'll see what, uh, we'll see what um, 
Corinne Jean-Pierre says about it tomorrow. Uh, press briefing. Probably going to say, you know, nothing to see here. No, we got, we got no problem. The border crossings are down 90%. It's, um, it's absolutely astounding. And by the way, Another reason why I think, uh, you know, when we talk about guns and gun safety and, and, and okay, you, okay, you, stop, you, you stop selling guns in America for a second. It's border down. To, you can't even keep drugs out of the country. You can't keep people out of the country. You can't keep guns out of the country. That's my favorite part is when Mexico starts to make noise about all these guns coming out of, of, of the U.S. and flooding the Mexican market. I mean, it would, tr- it would turn around, first of all. And how hypocritical, of course, of them to complain about a porous border causing problems in their country. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, folks, an, two hours of radio is up. It's time for me to go. Rest my voice. Always a tremendous pleasure to be with you here. Uh, if you've missed any portion of the show, go to where you find your podcast. Uh, for example, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Odyssey app. Look up What's Right Show. You'll see my picture there. And you'll uh, be able to catch all of what we covered today. I'll be back again tomorrow. I expect it will be a busy news day. See you guys then.